Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with Mike Connolly. Hello. And Tara Connolly. Hi. And today, we are here to celebrate the work and life of Akafumi Nakajima, a.k.a. Aob, and uh, who ran the Gross Label, who, on the date this episode is released, September 25th, 2019, passed away uh, six years ago, and... Uh, Left a, a huge impact on the noise world and a long legacy of excellent work and connections and relations and just a love of noise. So today we're going to celebrate his life. So much love and respect for this man. Yeah. But as always, before we do that, guys, what you been listening to? <laughs> well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe one of the most exciting Noise updates of the year came out. That being the hospital update with the uh, f- four mandatory releases. Uh, the four LP Stupid is Stupid box set in capacitance. Yay. The Smell and Quim Cosmic Bondage double LP. The Slow Gun Pleasures of Death double LP. And the Masana Shinsen Noclitoris Picture Disc or LP. You, you choose. All stuff that I think our listeners are probably familiar with, but some deluxe vinyl reissue editions given some uh, appropriate love. It's it's absolutely incredible. And we have originals of three of the four. And so we just we got so excited we pulled out those things. That being slogan pleasures of death. And you know, I think we've talked about slogan on multiple episodes uh, uh recently and we haven't stopped listening to Slogan, and Pleasures of Death is one of the best. I can't wait to have a, just a beautiful uh, double LP of it. Now, now to say we have an original, we have the, the CD on Death Factory, not the original cassette. Was that originally a cassette? It was originally a cassette, and it had the cro- the crime scene tape wrapped wrap around oh. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was originally a cassette, and then the CD on, on uh, Death Factory. And now the double LP in hospital. So Death Factory Cold Meat Industry sub label for non Swedish artists. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then um Masana Shinsen not clitoris. I mean, just another just classic Masana. I love one thing I really love about Shinsen not clitoris is the way the C D how because it, it was originally was supposed to be an LP. And so so it actually kind of fits because this the length of it is perfect for just a single LP. But it says um and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm, uh, I may be getting it slightly wrong, but it's it's track one. Or no, no, like, oh, right, right, right. It's side A, the, 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 it says like track one and two, like on the CD face. And then on the flip side, it's like track three and it's blank. But, but because you can't flip the <laughs> CD. You, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. getting it completely wrong because I, I know I'm getting it wrong because oh, I don't have it in front of me. If you've got it wrong, everybody, email Mike at oh, noiseextra.com oh, 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 for any corrections. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> I am. It's not in front of me, but uh, but rest assured, uh, we we you know that's that's one of the greatest. Along those I'm, lines, I'm so excited to to have that, and the, and the picture just does look amazing. Um, so uh, grab, you know, obviously you got to grab one of the, one of the two, if not, just grab both, and then um, incapacitants. Oh, 
stupid. stupid is stupid. I love it so much. Like the packaging is amazing. There is a comic book on the inside and like actual photographs. Um, so you can listen along and read along. Uh, the packaging is it will keep you entertained for at least 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a long one because it's, it's a double because yeah. it's a double uh, tape. It's like a, it's a you know, it's a 90 minute. It's a four LP. So and it is just perfect incapacitance. Yeah, those actual pictures of them playing. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and, and there's a little incapacitance history in there. It's just and, and that the original of that on uh, Sounds for Consciousness, right? A, a huge label. Uh, that we certainly will be discussing releases on that. And I can't wait to see the reissue because oh, I, mean, uh, I know have it's... to be really careful with the original. And yeah. I, I would like to like, you know, be able to drink a glass of wine and look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm sure hospital is doing it beyond justice as they always do with their reissues. So um, pretty exciting for that. And then, yeah, uh, do not own an original smell and quim cosmic bondage, but very excited to uh, have that finally get to hear that. Big Smell and Quim fans around here. Oh. We already mentioned, you know, we're going to see him in December. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so That's excited. First, so. Yes, and obviously everyone, you know, we're, we can't wait to see everyone in New York. Um, well, we've never seen Smell and Quim, so. We've never oh, seen I'm Smell and Quim. so excited. Um, I did watch In Bed with Smell and Quim, the VHS, uh, a few <laughs> months ago. It is uh, twisted. It's twisted. They are twisted. So, yeah, we're so excited to see them. So excited to see Richard Ramirez and Skin Crime and Painter. I'm going to see Richard game. Ramirez uh, in just a few weeks. That I'm going out true. to Cleveland to play Roman's 35th birthday and uh, going away party. And uh, I'll be be playing that show. Oh, you are playing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Because I think the last time we talked to you, you were just kind of going. I was. I, I was. You got roped in. I got roped into playing. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, good. Uh, Hi, mine. No, Cleanse. Oh, cool, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah. We just uh, saw Cleanse uh, a few weeks ago as well, and fantastic, yeah, obviously, and can't wait. Glad you're doing. Uh, glad you're doing it more. Yeah, it's a fun, fun time, and I'm really excited for that show. I was gonna go out there just to see Black Leather Jesus and uh, hang out with some friends, Skingraft and John Weiser collaborating. That sounded good to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I think our friend Jim Harris, Laureate, right? yeah, Jim Harris, yeah. who was on the uh, door open at 8 a.m. episode, is performing. There's more. Uh, I'm forgetting the total lineup. I don't have the flyer in front of me, but. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna see Ramirez twice this year, which sounds in two different guises, which sounds awesome. That um, is, that's that's great. Yeah, been jamming anything else? Um, yes, actually, and it's it pertains to this. I mean, you know what? Why don't you get? We're gonna ask you what you listen to. All right. Then we'll get to the our final recent listening because it's just gonna we're just gonna have that smooth podcast segue All into right. the main chunk oh, of the yeah, episode. Save that hot segue. <laughs> so great. What have you been listening to? Okay. Well, uh, you know, we did that Zone Nord episode and told everybody to order from Triple R. And I like to think I can take my own advice. So I ordered some stuff from Ron. And uh, a couple things that I had just wanted to pick up and never got around to or can't find now. And his prices are great. So I just grabbed some stuff. I got uh, the Murder Corporation New Crimes CD on Pure. That's a Pure, right? Yeah. Ooh. Now... I had a friend in Michigan who had the 10 tape box set, which I digitized years ago and have some like poorly transferred <laughs> rip of that I made myself on CDRs floating around. But this is like a best of of the 10 tape box set. And it's that like massive Italian, empty, dead, nothing. Just it's not you, it's not dark enough to call it like necro electronics. It's so much more in this just vacant feeling and it's really cool it's a it's a good one 
That's awesome. I love Murder Corporation. And uh, Kyoji Mizutani's Millstone. And he was a Murzbaugh collaborator. And previously, uh, I, the thing I, only thing I really had known him for, aside from that, was he did a collaboration CD with Daniel Menchie that was really, really good. And I enjoyed very much. So I got this thing. And, man, it's a uh, Millstone. He's, he's moving around a shovel. And a piece of glass, maybe, Ooh. for a long time. Just kind of moving them, scraping them around. Cool. Doing it some more. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Good. I loved it. Uh, second track has got some more of the same kind of noise and some maybe saxophone on it. Uh, something I, I can't even tell. Some kind of horny sounding thing. Horn sounding <laughs> thing. Wow. <laughs> Take that out of context. And... <laughs> Then back to the third track, it's more into the, the scrape zone, but it's a different vibe than the first piece. It's a it's a cool disc that kind of just pulled me right in. Um, then I found this uh, detached from its packaging old Europa Cafe tape flying around. Right, just in, in, right, yeah, we did come uh, over and he had this old Europa Cafe just tape sitting out with no info of the... We look for the sleeve. Artist. We can't find it. I, I well, didn't figure out what it was, though. Yeah, yeah. And when we came in, he didn't know what it was. Yeah. And it, it, I love that you just had this tape. You're like, yeah, I'm not sure what it is. I just throw that on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you did find out what it was. Yes, you it's figured a it out. Deutsch Nepal, the Silent Earth. Oh, it was on Old Europa. Yeah, got it. Got did it, you got Shazam it. it? I did not Shazam it. I uh, I know I own that tape, and I looked on Discogs. I seemed to. I thought it was a Deutsch Nepal tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I looked on Discogs and looked at the photos, and the photo was the exact same label as it. And I know I, I know I have that. The packaging was familiar. I'm like, it's this tape. I know it got separated. I've always thought it was. <laughs> I've, when I've seen that tape throughout the years, I'm like, oh, oh sure, that's a fucking Deutsche Nepal tape I lost <laughs> like the packaging for. Right. And I know I have it around somewhere. I've been going through all my old packaging and all my old, uh, like, I used oh, to separate ah, awkward packaging right. and make a jewel case for it or something. And now I realize how stupid that was because I can't find discs for, like, awesome packaging I have. And so I'm fixing that in, in my life. I'm going through my boxes of stuff and just like rearranging it. Uh, and then I... Well, I just want to say, definitely excited to do a Deutsch Nepal episode. Oh, yeah. We, we, we listen to Tolerance a lot uh, at home. That, that's definitely a one that gets a regular rotation. Uh, I don't, you know, not saying that's going to be the one we're doing, but uh, certainly excited at some point to do a Deutsch Nepal yeah. uh, episode. I have seen Deutsch Nepal live four times. I think I'm a I'm a definitely a big fan, and listening to this tape only only confirmed it. Even though I wasn't sure what it was, but I was like, "This is really good. It's got to be something great." And it was. I love that. And then last night, probably way too late to be listening to it, but uh, I put on Noise Forest, the absolutely legendary CD comp. I almost don't have words for how good it is. Uh, it's Mertzbau, just amazing, amazing 10 minute track, rips it up. C, 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 C on there. And I think, it, I believe it's one of their early appearances on anything, if not their first compilation. A masterful Solmania track. Oh, oh right, right. Solmania. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dislocation, who I'm not super familiar with, but this one was really, really good. Uh, Montbrit. Is that right, Tara? I mean, it, Noise World. Yeah, but I'm, the, the band yeah. name is in the noise world. 
<laughs> but that is that is French. Uh, it's French for noise world. It's so good. Yeah. I will probably always say Mon Brutes, and everyone just needs to deal with that. <laughs> everyone, yeah. and, and you know what? Everyone I know says that. Like, I'm not going to get it right. Tara, you should probably think, say but, it but correctly. But I think that's the joy of it is that we all have the way that we say it. It's like when you read a lot and you like pronounce somebody's name in your head and then you find out later you're completely wrong. Right. Like, I feel like these little insular cells of us listening to noise, we just pronounce them how we do. Right, right. After that great Montbrit tech, though, <laughs> Masana's testicles candy parts one through 13. <laughs> it's so insane. Dude. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so, so good. And then, you know, one of those bands that I have a couple things by, but never properly dug into is violent onsen geisha, geisha, geisha. I, I, I'm, same, same same with us i mean i think we have maybe the pure cd i i have had stuff in the past and i am less familiar with he also kind of became hairstylistics yeah. um yes admittedly not as familiar with violent onsen geisha that track rips though it's like not a familiar at all first half is like a weird song just a straight up song and then it turns into just bizarro noise i really i really loved them like oh i need to really dig into more violent on some geisha. yeah it's it definitely uh, de- definitely a mystery to us um oh hey over that at, seems over like an opportunity household. for recommendations there to gray yeah. at yeah. noise extra.com yeah or actually just any hey if anyone out there big fan has a great violent on some geisha or hairstylistics re- uh, recommendation please let us know we're yeah we're all uh we're all open to uh Digging into his world. John Weiss is currently writing an email right now. I'm certain. He's, <laughs> he's a big fan. He's a big, I know. Right. I know. Yeah. Please, please. Give Fingers us, are flying. Please, please. <laughs> uh, and, you know, to wrap up this this comp is Incapacitance. Oh, yeah. Just like Ugh. killer after killer track on it. And it is such a satisfying listen. Yeah. And and I love I love the art of that one. I love I love that it's called Noise Forest because forest is it's not something it's not a word or an image that gets used a ton with noise especially back then especially in the early 90s so it is this strange feeling to me and that's what i love about that that's like a still word and a natural word yeah and i just yeah that yeah the the merge about track traveling uh which was on the uh hospital noise embryo reissue the bonus track maybe one of his best isolated tracks of of that era i mean it is just a perfect it hits all the sweet spots and it's long and it's, it's like, just it's, i think it's a little over 10 minutes yeah it's it awesome goes. i mean it is just so awesome what a great comp and related to this episode um uh ob um how, how, how do you pronounce his name oh uh, no, no, no 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 his Ob? real name akafumi nakajima Akafu- mm-hmm. akafumi I, I think i think even my horrible pr- pronunciation i think i can keep that one up akafumi <laughs> akafumi um uh, I believe mastered and edited and kind of put this comp t- uh, together. He he was a part of uh, um of the behind the scenes kind of thing in this comp. So relating to uh to our man, excellent comp, yeah. And uh, that's it for my recent listening. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there's I, more, but it's there's like always, always more, there's always right? more. There's yeah. always more. Like, I even We'd think be, this like, would like, take a long there's time. There's always more. Yeah. <laughs> I got a in a new LP that I'm releasing, but I'm not here to hype that up today. So I'll talk about it later. Well, we'll listen to it and decide if we want to hype yeah. it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what? I bet we will. <laughs> and before we move on to Conley's super planned, expertly done segue. <laughs> A few quick words about our Patreon and its benefits, because I know 
we're trying to ramp up what we're doing with the Patreon and we are trying to put more and more stuff on there and get more interaction from our patrons, which has been awesome so far. Uh, we have a lot of great people that are supporting the podcast. But if you're not a patron and you're tired of having to race all the other noise extra fanatics to get the awesome release we're talking about each week, our Millstone level Patreon supporters, look at that. Listen to the record to it's like hey. right there. Ah. They get advanced warning of the episode a week in it, uh, a week ahead of time, along with a blank PDF note sheet to uh, print and listen along. You can play the noise extra game at home along with us. And if you're wondering why a release seems harder to track down after we do an episode, it's because these people bought it a week ahead of you. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, you could be one of them. And uh, Millstone level supporters also get one bonus episode a month along with their subscription. Uh, one seven inch or EP, you know, shorter bonus episode. Uh, available to them our next level is the intensive care level and they get of course that benefit and a bonus episode every week on seven inch sundays and it's a it's not always just a seven inch this sunday's bonus episode is also in tribute to akafumi nakajima so we did the entire quadrotation for seven inch box set on self-abuse from 1996 and uh, that Patreon benefit includes a uh, personal RSS feed link, so you can add it to any podcast players, you know, Apple Podcasts, whatever, and you can just listen to it like you listen to the regular show. Additionally, we've started a little program for all the Patreon supporters to let us know their recent listening, and uh, we're going to compile those and read them on the show and discuss the stuff that we know, and maybe we'll use those as suggestions to check out some new stuff and talk about it a bit. And uh, also, all the Patreon supporters get to suggest a record, and then we're going to put up a little voting poll thing on the Patreon, so you can have a hand in picking what uh, what record we do every now and again. We'll uh, we'll leave it up to you guys to recommend something, and then you can vote amongst yourselves, and we'll talk about it. I love that. I, I love checking out new things that we might not necessarily think of. I mean, we have a huge list, but we're not stopping anytime I mean, soon. Like anymore. we hadn't even heard Zone Nord, and exactly. now it's like one of our favorites. We listen to all the time. Yeah, so that's, like that's so cool. So I'm I'm certain that the people that listen to this and care about noise that much also will have great suggestions, and we'll learn about new stuff that we did not know about. So I'm really excited about just getting a bunch of recommendations, seeing what contemporary stuff people are listening to, seeing what kind of stuff. You know, further back, people are checking out and digging in. Already, the the stuff that people have been posting is like it's really cool. It's really cool, and we we, we love it. So we're oh, yeah. we're Thank gonna you keep so it going. Much. We're gonna keep it going. We're gonna just we're gonna keep adding more over there. We have a ton of really cool ideas coming up uh, throughout the rest of this year that we're gonna be throwing up on that Patreon. So it's a good, it's a good time. Moment. I want to see people's listening notes. That's fun. That's one of my next ideas. Actually, I wanted to talk to you guys about this. <laughs> should we talk? I, should we discuss it right here? Oh, yeah, Why not? Right yeah. on. This is well, the perfect I, place to do that. I want to have our Patreon send us in scans of their notes so we Please can do. see what they've done. So uh, I was going to posit that on the Patreon itself for our supporters and just see who, who's listening, what their notes look like, if they look as crazy as ours do, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and just kind of compare. I think that's really fun, and maybe we'll post some of those on uh, on the Instagram or on the website, and just kind of have a little collection for them too, where people can see what other other people are writing, see where it lines up and where it doesn't. Basically, if it's not obvious, this is the we are just completely immersed in 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 this podcast and. Every single day, it's is all we it's all we talk about. It's all we think about <laughs> anymore. And then, uh, and so yeah, we want we want you guys just just in with us. You know? Yeah, it's your podcast too. Yeah, fun oh, together. absolutely. Yeah. So, with all that said, the the dirty work out of the way, 
Let's hear this segue. <laughs> Guys, I, this is an expert. This is an expert segue. Um, no, no. But, but just a lot of time when we do these episodes, you know, pretty much from the day after we record the, 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 the last one, it's just, it's time to get into what we're going to do next. And with this episode in particular, with Obe and with Gross, Tara and I, we went, we just gave in to Obe and to Gross, and it's pretty much all we did. Oh, it's crazy! It's been every a pleasure. Week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a big part of that. Now, I admittedly don't. We don't own a lot of Gross tapes. We have a couple that we can't find. Yeah, that we are. I know. We, yeah, that we are. Few boxes. There's a missing box. There's somewhere. a missing box. This happens. This does happen, and, <laughs> and I we think we know where it is. Especially and, with oddly sized. Yes, packages. I have a kind of an odd size when we when we moved, and you know how these things go. Anyway, uh, but what was easily accessible and so rewarding is the hers Ogs hers. Oz gross box put out through Triple R. I think oh. it's Hertz Oz gross. Oh my God. I'm the worst. I am the worst. Uh, yeah. So whatever Gray just said, it's that. Uh, it is a box. So it is a four tape box set on Triple R curated by it. Basically, each side is a remixed version of a tape on gross. So there's four, there's eight sides and you have. Obe, you have Third Organ, you have Mon Brutes, you have Club Skull, you have all this dislocation. You have all this great stuff and 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 um and Obe remixed and and remixed them all to kind of like you know fit on one side of a tape. So you're getting kind of a distilled version of each gross tape. Yeah. I well, mean he, he's a designer, so that's well, what he's he does. A, he absolutely and we have that we have our tape player on plays side A and then, it, you know, flips over to side B. So it's a continual play. I mean, I think we played each tape probably four times in a row Several. until we, yeah, yeah, until we switched over to the next tape until we switched over to the next tape. It is mandatory listening. It is such an amazing box set to get introduced to gross or, or just, you know, or just to have on at all times. I can't wait for people to get this and listen to this. Cause it's, it's incredible. It's a, it's an invaluable box set, and cassettes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Four four cassettes, and and it's square, so it can go on your shelf. It easily. fits perfectly too, because it's in the great. <laughs> it's in the great like seven inch perfect real you know real box that fits perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it fits. <laughs> nah. it, you know what? Honestly, it fits perfectly right next to the Obe quad rotation seven inch box. Exact same size, exact same box. Put it right there. Great, yeah, just held just up the white, box. Yeah, yeah, just white box. Um, so. And what's great is the first side of the first tape is a distilled remixed version of Obes Spindrift. Absolutely. Wow. All right. So that's so so There's that segue. There we oh, go. Did we, you guys like that? Nailed it. That nailed we crave. It. Spindrift, this tape we listened to today. Oh. Gross G R Zero Zero One, the first gross tape. The first gross tape, Obes second tape. Yeah. Um, 1992, yeah. recorded in 91, using only water as its sound source. And of course, that's a hallmark of Akafumi's practice is that he used a single source for all of his releases. Any pieces he was making used one sound, be it uh, fluorescent lights, heartbeats, water. Uh, pages from a Bible. Pages from a Bible, pages from the book on Elsie and Jack. Great one. Wire. Uh, 
yeah, metal wire, uh, different different types of metals. I think throughout the the, the uh, time, like it, it, just all sorts of different uh, different source material. Uh, at some point, he he switched using a, a voltage controlled oscillator, just one VCO for all the sound source, and processed that. So it's the sound palette, while being restricted to one source, he is not afraid to process, loop, manipulate twist and change it and then just pile on the layers well he you know he considered himself a sound designer you know when asked if he was a musician if he was a you know noise musician he said he he thought of himself as a sound designer and, and he comes from an industrial design background and that was his job and that makes so much sense with the look of gross tapes and his idea about being a sound designer. The man's a professional. And it comes across yeah. in every element of this tape, from the packaging to the sound, and it is just, oh. Everything is meticulously measured. All, all corners are nicely scored on the insert. The label is perfectly cut and properly affixed. The packaging on this one is vellum printed with black and silver, with a piece of reflective blue foil cut and glued in to fit just the spine and cover portion. It's perfectly embossed. And it's I, it's just it's just beautiful. And it's one of those things, I mean, when we were looking at it, great, I mean, you were just like, how did he do this? Well, like, there's silver printing on it. So, like, what was he using to print metallic silver on something for, for a run of cassettes, you know? And it perfectly placed. Everything is right. And the cassettes are there. just a Sony, like... Yeah. When you look at the label, I mean, it's really professionally glued on, but it is a, a you know, what a C ninety. Well, no, no, this would be a well, no, 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 C forty seven. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. because yeah, 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 and yeah, the first fifty of everyone were uh, the first fifty copies of the gross tapes from metal, and then after that, it was in, you know, on the, uh, on the chrome tapes exactly. And it's not just this tape that looks great. I have a bunch of gross tapes, and they look. They just look fantastic. They're they're absolutely flawless. And they are, I mean, I can't imagine what it must have felt like to get some of those, you know, in 92. Yeah. Uh, so I was just reading an interview and it's the one from Banana Fish, issue 11. Thank you, Aaron Dilway, for sending us a scan because. None of us can find our copies that we know we, we have. Know we have <laughs> We are pretty sure our copy is in this said box with these other gross tapes. It's in our, we, we, it's in a little storage thing. It says important Because I know, I know we have this. But yes, we reached out, we reached out to some, uh, some friends and Aaron Dilloway came through uh, with um, sending us the, uh, As the we interview. F. So thank you so much. And the interview first, first of all, I don't know if we've, mentioned banana fish enough or at how much we've mentioned on this podcast it was huge but, but let's just go ahead and just get a little aside banana fish the to to definitely to me and tara i don't want to speak for gray oh come on now oh well, i'll speak for <laughs> you speak then. For gray, i'll speak right. for you you yeah. know what i'll speak for you one of the most important magazines important things in our noise upbringing would you I mean, hundred percent, hundred It's and go and we did find a bunch of old issues. And going through them, yeah. Oh my god, I cannot wait to 
to talk more of some of I mean, we should maybe even just do a banana fish but episode. even visiting yeah. our homes like you can always like in every room look around and find a banana fish yeah. Like, yeah. like you can tell when you're in like a friend's house and you're like oh there's a banana fish especially <laughs> back in the early 2000s yeah. banana yeah, fish always. was the big one muckraker was another oh, yeah. essential yep. mag yep. back then uh but Banana Fish was was really the the big one. They came with compilation CDs, the later ones. Or the comp, mm-hmm. Some of the other ones had comp, maybe a comp 7-inch, I think one of them had. I think so, yeah. Um, but you would hear, I first heard Crank Sturgeon on a Banana Fish comp. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. And I've had, I think I told him that years ago. I was like, that, that song on that Banana Fish comp, I can man. picture him on that white in CD fa- with the black letters. Yeah. In, <laughs> fact, in fact, my introduction to the person who sent us this interview was... The couch article in Banana Fish. Oh wow! Uh, Dilloway's, uh, you know, one of his first bands. Yeah. One of the first bands he was in. So that was that, so it. literally my introduction <laughs> to the guy who sent us the interview was Banana Fish. Cannot stress any any. I, and again, you know, we know. Uh, I'm sure there's a, uh, uh, plenty of you who are like, you know. You know, have been listening to noise long, even longer than us. So you obviously know the importance of Banana Fish. Anybody who doesn't know that or isn't as familiar with banana fish go do whatever you need to do to go get those issues and it's really hard to find any pdfs online (laughs) because we dug and dug and really especially issue 11 you know i'm kind of a (laughs) i if there's a noise magazine i try to buy it uh i like to have them i like to look through them later i mean i keep i have catalogs from the late 90s like mail order catalogs from places i used to order from i have old triple r catalogs i love that you have malignant record catalogs and uh artware catalog it's like i have just these old things stashed away and uh it's it's only fun to go back and look at that stuff and see a document at the time and even if you might not be worried about what's going on in the noise world right now in 10 years you're going to want to look back and be like oh fuck, look at these reviews look at these interviews look at who look at where this person is now look at what this look at this cool ad for this these things the, from I, this label that i almost like the ads the most that's like <laughs> yeah. like the endorphin factory ad that i saw in like an early issue it's just like oh my god it's so cool you know who else liked the ads the most who else aaron dilloway i don't know if you remember <laughs> network magazine already did a whole he thing did two yeah. magazines of uh of just ads that's from right. old magazines for like noise records and they were awesome i those are in a box somewhere. I got to find them. So good. Um, but yeah, so getting back to, to Obe and, and kind of talking about, so yeah, so this is from the banana fish interview with him, issue 11. And he kind of talks about, you know, this idea of using the one limited source uh, for each release. And he asks in, and it's kind of discussing if it's, it, the interviewer basically asks him if, if what he does is minimalism. And he says, I guess so. In the sense that I'm trying to see how far I can go with one limited resource, which ones can be changed or processed. That's a very important central concept to Obe, unlike other noise artists. But it's nothing like minimal music with its melody, rhythm, and hypnotic repetition. As a basic stance, I guess it's minimalism. So like, I like the idea that it is this kind of, it's a minimal... You you know using the one source. It's restricted. It's restricted. It's but discipline. I would say this tape. There's nothing very minimal about this tape. No, not at all. Not at all. It starts with this slow. To me, is the slow spin. Right. I'm I'm hooked from the first second. These, I I have to imagine they're like distorted water drops or something because it has that sort of weird. 
plumbing resonance to it. And it just, it just builds and builds. And it sounds so deep. The, the tone is there. There's really rich tones and it feels, it feels deep. I mean, it really feels like you're in a, in a body of water. So are you sure he didn't just mic a submarine? Cause that's what I was thinking. It, yeah. It feels like you guys, it has that feel. Yeah, absolutely. To, to me, it was, we were in the, I was staring down into a well with, with this water just slowly spinning. And that's kind of how you fall into the well. Sort of like if you see in a movie and it's like trying to, you know, someone's like trying to sleep and the sink is dripping and the, the sound of the water dropping in the sink that won't, you know, just keeps dripping. Oh, classic Donald Duck. It's like if that is amplified to the like maniacal level, that's what this reminds me of. It's just this like complete blasting of like a, the minutiae. We talked about this in the voice crack, like the amplification of really mundane sounds and that that droplet sound to me that that's what I think of it as it sounds so awesome because it has this almost weird like tonal melodic harmonic quality to it um and it sucks me right in it pulls me straight into the piece and into the water and once you're in there it, there's there's other objects submerged in there thing it's, it's this one this is a piece of constant movement both of these really they don't Stop. It never feels like you're locked into a zone. It feels like things are being dropped into the water around you, being, you know, get, getting from all angles. And at times the water is more turbulent. You're hearing the waves up top. I really just, it transports you. It's really, it really transportive music. He's so good with the composition because it really, like, uh, Mike and I learned the hard way that you, you don't go full blast at the beginning of a piece because he'll build it himself. So you have to, it starts slow and then it builds and builds and you build up more complexity. And I think that's why it really, like, activates your imagination because uh, it it's, takes you places. You're on a, you're on a journey. Yeah, the the flow is so well designed, and yes, like Tara was saying, it it does start the the build is so gradual that it starts pretty quiet, and by the time it gets to its peak, yeah, all of a sudden it's like it's, it's overwhelming, and you didn't you didn't even realize how you got there. You're like, wait, how did we get to this just overwhelming noise part? And it's yeah, it's so yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would start I would start it super loud but then, <laughs> yeah, by, then, but, then like, but then by the time it got to that to the loudest peak it was just deafening you know yeah um we did listen to it pretty loud it was so good it felt real good but too. yeah but but again his idea that he's a sound designer i just think it's like yeah that makes sense to me that that's how you think of of your of 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 the way you make noise yeah, it just gradually increases and the floods start coming in and it just everything keeps piling up. But then, you know, yes, while water is the the main sound source, there's obviously some other things going on around the water, maybe on the walls of the well, you know, it's it's this. I think it's all processing. I mean, of it the, is hard to tell, to be yeah. honest, all processing of the water. But it's you. I hear stuff. When I'm picturing myself in it, I, I can feel things moving above and below and on all sides. Like things dropping and sinking the the ocean floor, whatever it might be, the you know the bottom of the lake, um, dumping trash off a garbage barge. Totally, I was thinking absolutely dumping yeah. trash <laughs> off a garbage barge, and, and the the rush of a of a river. There's parts where it gets really frantic, and you get that sort of like just turbulent, nasty sound. 
I thought that was whales uh, trying to avoid like, you know, sonar from a trash uh, submarine. Wow. <laughs> trash submarine. <laughs> it's hacks. It's a noise submarine. <laughs> there's, the thing about this is that it gets really disorienting as it goes on, too, because there's these. I, I On the second side, you notice the loops more. On this side, there's you really don't feel it, except for that sort of intro kind of dropping and even then that feels natural it feels like it's a a natural rhythm it doesn't feel like a loop but i'm i just keep get like getting overwhelmed it gets louder and louder and then you notice that there's all these layers you can hear what everything's doing it's this massive sort of i don't want to say roaring because it's not quite at that level it's not a howling aggressive sort of higher end thing there's so much bass to it and so much presence in the low end and so much different stuff going on that it really, there's just like distinct layers that keep revealing themselves to you as you listen. It's so detailed, but so open. So it's, it's, it's exactly, yeah, exactly. There's these, it's there's the so much going on yeah. in every minute, but then it's all, you can listen to it two ways. You can, you can get into the, 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 the intricacy of each, of everything that's happening, or you can pull back and just kind of bathe in, in, in what he's doing. I kept thinking like, because of the water, the organic sounds mixed with the like inorganic processing. It, I just kept thinking the word primordial, like it's like the, the primordial goo that we come out of. It's that mixing of organic and um, something else. Yeah. And, and, you know, and water seems to be, especially in the nineties was he seemed to do a lot. Water was kind of his main source material for a lot of stuff. And that's how Ob started. He, he was, he was designing uh, sound for his friend's uh, art exhibition in, in 90 or 91 and using the sound of water. So he did a bunch of art exhibitions doing that. And then his first tape on vanilla is hydrophobia also using water. And he was like 32 at the time. He wasn't, he, he got, he started, so it, not like Masana and Merzbau, you know, he wasn't a teenager. He was a fully blown adult. Yeah, exactly. And and I think there's a difference. I think it's I think that brings a different sensibility to the noise that he was making, starting as an adult. Yeah. His his work with design too, you know, he had a job that was also very much in the aesthetic realm. So we talk about the gross tapes looking beautiful and they all do but the the design and the the thought put into them like if you if you sit down with some gross tapes and you look at them and you hold them and you take them out and you pay attention to the things he's doing with the design there it wasn't crazy usually like the msbr packaging you know where like there'd be just like some stuff glued on and a weird <laughs> odd shaped thing um it wasn't kind of basic because there's always some sort of weird color or texture layer he'd use unusual materials he would use unusual printing techniques but they all felt like a very polished professional product if you look at it you're like not in the way of like a mass-produced slayer tape or something but in the way of they looked like they were a very complete and finished idea and that's one of the things i love that when you see it in his design you realize it also applies to his music is this attention to detail and focusing on the concept really just tunnel visioning on that concept and making it the reality of what it is. So whenever you look at these things and you have it in your hand, you're like, man, he, he had this idea and he made it the exact way 
that it's supposed to be made that he would want to make it. And it communicates so much about not only the person designing it, but the the music within, you know, he really focused on that. It's such a special gift to have. There's a lot of tropes that happen in noise, industrial design, and a lot of kind of go-tos and, and standard things that I think a lot of us are guilty of. I certainly love it. I have the styles I like, and I do that stuff. But mm-hmm. when you see something like this, where he also had that, but it's it's just a different, comes from a different time. And I feel like no one packages, no one has packaged like him and no one, no one, uh, continues to like it's it's very uniquely a gross tapes way of doing things uh, totally and and what's cool is in the banana fish article he talks about how he has around 2000 items of special packaging noise tape so that he can easily research what's been done or what hasn't been done so he can like reference like okay this idea i had maybe it's been done, but i can think of a different way to i do love it. that he talks about the numbers in his yeah collection. yeah, yeah. It it's rules. so good he has 300 craftwork items according yeah. to the interview it, at the time of the banana yeah, from 1996 i love it and, I and you love feel like it. there's a catalog that corresponds to all of these things that he keeps it's well, so Think about it too. Okay, he he has two thousand pieces of noise stuff in '96. This is four years after starting Gross, and he was not only a very very talented musician and not only a very very talented designer, but he was a linchpin in the international noise scene. He was communicating with everyone, trading oh, yeah. with everyone, in contact, uh, releasing acts from all over the world on his label at a time before email, before internet, before any of this stuff was like the easy way to do it. You know I mean? Not 92 certainly, but even continuing through the nineties, he, he was just, I, I don't know. He was one of those, like those movers, one of those people who got their stuff out there. And you, those, I mean, he, he, I, was, ha- he was so devoted, devoted yeah. to his work, but that's in the banana fish article. Do you, uh, I should read this. Part yeah. This, oh, is, so, this uh, is so great. It made me so happy. Um, he says, Basically, I accept every offer. I make it a point to answer every piece of mail I get, even if it's just a catalog or a radio playlist. It's getting out of hand, though. I keep a record of every letter and fax, no matter where it's from, because I was raised with good manners, and they all get answered within two weeks. I will cut people off the list if I don't hear from them for a long time. One night a week, I stay up all night writing letters. I probably average about 100 per month. I must spend $10,000 a year on postage. <laughs> I contribute a lot to the post office and they should express their gratitude. Everybody says I should switch to email, but if I did, even more people would make contact and I'd end up even busier than ever. <laughs> I love that he's That's amazing. So I love good. that the postal service should express gratitude. That is my favorite. Like, I, I he stayed it. up one night a week to re- to just do correspondence. Dude, I can't even get a, a reply to an Instagram message yeah. these days from <laughs> some people. That is like um that is That's generosity. That's pure inspiration it's and dedication. I, I also love that he, Love that the postal service should express gratitude, like like a, like a representative from the post office shows up at the gross offices to thank him. I love yeah. that idea. I they, love they come by with a roll of stamps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love thank that. Thank you idea. for your service. Yeah, um, and obviously, Ob is just he's he he's so important to noise to the history of noise, and and su- and was such a figure. Um, and and friend to a lot of our friends through this podcast. So we did reach out to to a couple a couple people to you know see if they wanted to say a little something about Ob, say something about working with Ob. Um, 
And, uh, and so we had, we, we reached out to a couple of people, uh, GX being one of them. And so, uh, Tara, why don't you read, uh, uh, kind of what GX had to say? Cause this kind of, this kind of goes in with the, the, the idea of this, the packaging for OBE and, and kind of the concept, uh, behind some of that stuff. So I can't do a GX voice. It's okay. You know what? Don't even try. I will not try. These are, these are, uh, these are GX's words that Tara will be reading. During the time I lived in Bordeaux, I was approached by the local label. Sounds for Consciousness Rape wanted me to help design a package for an OBE release. Having only the deepest respect for Akafumi Nakajima and his work, I was eager to get involved. SFCR already had the idea to package the cassette in something that was already filled with water, water being the only sound source that Akafumi had used for the project. I was even shown a couple of prototypes they already had done. There were issues with the original designs, leakage and evaporation being the two biggest concerns. Attempts at hermetically sealing the bags often failed. Instead of water, I experimented with different homogeneous mixtures to no avail. I was hoping for some kind of clear gel. I had no idea what I was doing. In time, I also tried to come up with a design that was also more self-contained. I worked on interlocking sleeves, keeping both the liquid and tape separated while keeping the appearance that the tape was floating in the liquid. None of these were practical. None of my designs were cost-effective. Both artist and label had rejected my designs. I can't say I could blame them. Years after I had moved back to California, Liquid Passion eventually got released, but as a sealed sleeve containing water that was then wrapped around the cassette. Everybody had learned their lesson from all of this. The next opportunity we had to work on something together, Akafumi and I wouldn't bother with any weird packaging. We'd only focus on sound. He would rub glass, and I would break glass. That seemed much more natural. I love that. <laughs> That's so great. That's I love great. That. But I, I love the, the, the detail, the, you know, the, the, the attention to the packaging that, that, Oh, you know, really did. And obviously this took a while. And they made prototypes. Prototypes and figuring out that? how this is going to work. And, and, you know, wow. Not before or since have I seen things packaged in water. Cause it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm certain. Oh. And dangerous to your collection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes. Uh, I, I love it. I also love that <laughs> Agafumi is going to use glass and GX is going to break glass. For their <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jo- Joy is smashing. And I was saying that was the, f- that was aside from um, his track on the Japanese American Noise Treaty, that was my first, that was more of a formal introduction to OBE, was the Haters OBE CD. Um, and, and yes, it is just the sound of glass. And I just remember being so into that and just so because it just it is just that just using that source and just manipulating oh, into this into this overwhelming pieces that that cd is 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 so good and then we flip the tape and we get into the drift but honestly i'm not drifting too much in this i'm in the i'm just in the i am in the water inferno, actually. It's this, crazy. This, this is on, a whitewater yeah. rapids. Yeah, this, yeah. this water is on fire. This is oceanic atomic testing. It's like being <laughs> yeah. under a waterfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you know, Ob would go on to do uh, some of his stuff would become a little more in the ambient kind of zone where you might be drifting around. But like I said... You are just you're you're getting smashed in the whitewater rapids on this one. This is a it just starts blasting and it really doesn't let up the whole side. It's a constant eruption of of sound 
grinding water. I mean, it's awesome. It's so awesome. And it's and it's in kind of industrial too at times, like industrial runoff water. It sort of reminds me of uh, like HNW, like Modern Harsh Noise Wall, in that it's yeah. just this unchanging static mass. But it's not unchanging. You can hear loops and and intricacies within the piece, but it's just a, a really. This is the deafening roar. This is the loud, heavy, just harsh collapse waterfall sound just rushing fast water mean water aggressive nasty water the abyss just keeps opening up and you just keep falling into the watery abyss the tides of the apocalypse oh absolutely leviathan coming up from the yeah yeah i mean that is what this side is waves and waves cascading and bashing you against the rocks on the shore wow ow <laughs> Ow. <laughs> and that's that's what it does for like the first half of the piece is this kind of just brutal white noise assault with all these intricate little sounds underneath. And then there's some some like almost weird synth tones start to come in, a, a sample or loop or sped up tape of some water maybe. And then then you actually get some loops. This one has like way more uh, present loops than the first side than spin does. And I think that's where Tara was getting the industrial feeling from this because there is it is more there is more loops going on. Yeah, and it's like nearly metallic uh, sounding in that. It reminded me of the destructive power of water to erode and to yeah. smash and to to. Um, you know, log waterlog and cause rot and rip apart in the power of the currents. And it really just like showed me th- this piece had me right there of like, Oh yeah, we're being destroyed by water right now. It's like when you go to the beach and then you're boogie boarding, which we all like to do. And then a wave <laughs> takes you and you're like, Oh man, I forgot. Like people get hurt in the ocean. Oh, like yeah. That's so scary. Like this is actually scary. And, and I think it also kind of goes back to something Tara was talking about in the voice crack episode where it's like, it's like, it's almost like taking this, this, you know, something like water and, and just pinpointing like it's all these different qualities of it that we may not always, you know, you may not always think of when you think of water. Looking at know? all the facets of the crystal. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- and I think that's what O was doing. And I think that's what he was doing working with this single sound source, he was looking at every facet of water and what water could do or every facet of, you know, the voltage control, you know, voltage control oscillator, every facet of wire. Like he was breaking down what these things are. And I think that's what's so, what's so lasting and so, so exciting still when you, when you go back and listen to all these old things, you just, you see him, Looking at every side, yeah, of, with, of with the very thing. clear intent. Oh, totally. I mean, he had a he had his, you know, his i you know he had his ideas. He was very specific and clear with what he wanted to do with his noise and with his art with his sound, and you know, it's it's all the more powerful for that. This many years later, in regards to him thinking of himself as a sound designer in that banana fish interview. The interviewer says, when you design, you make a blueprint with the finished product in mind. When you make noise, do you have an idea of the sound you want beforehand, or are you improvising without a preconceived goal? And Akafumi's response is, even when I improvise which knobs I twist, I know my equipment so well that I also know what sound will be produced. 
In industrial design, between the initial blueprint and the final product, there is some trial and error in making a prototype. But in recording, too, I'm concentrating on the finished product. I am not working randomly. At first, I used a computer to get the structure I had in my mind. Some harsh noise and power electronics artists make noise spontaneously by improvising. Even though the approach is completely different, the final result is still the same type of noise as mine. I do understand that I sometimes lack dynamism. <laughs> I like that be yeah, yeah, because yeah. he yeah. kind of owes up to like, yes, sometimes it's sound, you know, the sound is restrictive in that way, but he's exploring it. He's experimenting and trying to see how far he can take one sound source from every possible angle and what he can make it sound like. And I just love even just from that, you just, you know, that when you have spinge, obe, spindrift, gross cassette, and you have it in your hand and you have it in the stereo, you're getting kind of what you, you were referring to this kind of earlier. You're getting exactly what his vision for that was. There's no compromise. There's no random accident. Everything is purposeful in such a rewarding way. I love it. I love it. Just like the way he communicated with people, his, his writing and keeping in touch with people and trading and checking out new projects, you know, like he was diligent in the, in the same way I imagine he was diligent in his noise. Oh yeah. No question. Um, one of the other people we reached out to is another friend of the, of the podcast, uh, Eldon M of allegory chapel limited and as many, as well as many other projects. And, uh, Eldon was kind enough to send us a few words uh, about his memory of, of Akafumi and, and working with him and, and, uh, whatnot. So here, here's Tara reading the words of Eldon. I toured in Japan with Torture Chorus and Alchemy Records anniversary tour during the autumn of 1993. The PSF and Modern Music Retail Shop was only a couple of blocks from Hijikaiden Jojo's baseball card shop. And it was there that I found the first gross tapes and bought them. When we performed in Osaka, Akafumi Nakajima showed up to the shows, and that's how we met. He asked me to release an ACL tape on his label, and I jumped at the chance. I was the first American on Akafumi's label, number eight. Akafumi was always a big supporter of ACL and American experimental sound, and for years we distributed his label's tapes worldwide through Subterranean in San Francisco. I miss him, really. His unique genius and his amazing OBE sound, R.I.P. Wow. I mean, that that's that's so cool. And how cool was it that Eldon was the first American artist on yeah. Gross? Uh, that tape looks beautiful. I have that's that so tape. Cool. It looks beautiful. Oh, yeah? I think that's I have I, all the allegory chapels. <laughs> that's awesome. Room. That's so but cool. I, it's that one's that one's really good. In fact, this, it, the cover is a um, photo of a painting of Eldon with his uh, his like chest cavity open. It's a really cool look. Oh, wow. I, I don't know it. I want to see that. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, and it just again, you do you just kind of see that you know he was he was so supportive of the things that he loved, and and that was kind of what he said is. In the, I think it's in the Banana Fish interview, his criteria for what he wanted to release. If I like it, I release it. I think it's a good criteria. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he knew what he liked. And that's the thing is he knew he had a vision and he had a vision for what he wanted Gross to be and he had a vision for how he wanted to curate it. And it's, you know, it's so cool to have this and to be able to go back and to look at, you know, his, his legacy. Um, also, too, like he did so much design stuff for other people, all the early CCCC stuff is designed by him. You know, early Mon Brutes, a lot of the Endorphin Factories, you know, uh, CCCC's label, Endorphin Factory, Mon Brutes stuff. Someone, you know, obviously someone he worked closely with and, and another 
sadly lost legend of of noise and especially of Japanese noise, you know, Mom yeah. Roots. And, you know, worked a lot with him, worked a lot with other labels, helping with design and mixing and editing. And, you know, it's just he he had it he he left his mark on so much noise, especially in the nineties. And it was fun, like I again I, I always on the way back machine start with MSBR and he had already linked um, Obe fan sites and gross record fan sites and discographies. So we can put up some screenshots of those because it's really cool. And it's cool from the time because he lists or, or whoever put, put it up does list the, the, the sound source for every release. And so it's That's just kind of, cool. it's just kind of cool to see like, and like I said, I, I do feel like water is, is pretty much the water was the predominant, uh, in the, at least in the first few years of yes. water was definitely the predominant source. So sadly, Neither Tara nor I ever did get to see Ob live. Nope. You did though, right? I did. I saw him in uh, in Detroit in two thousand one. What was it like? Did he have? Did he? Wow. Use, did, did he? Was there like a sound source he used for the live thing? Yeah, it wasn't water or lamps or anything. Which in my brain, I had of course hoped like, oh, <laughs> I want to see, I want to see him, whatever he does. But I think even in that uh, banana fish interview, he mentions he uses uh, tapes for recording, but he would never do that live. So he was using a, a soft synth, some sort of software synthesizer on a laptop when I saw him. He played at the uh, C-Pop Gallery in Detroit along with uh, Princess Dragon Mom and Wendy and Carl. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah, a very Detroit show. And Davin from Princess Dragon Mom is the reason he came over. And he played a couple other shows while in town. I think he played at the, the like, His Name is Alive Studios, maybe, and uh, at Aaron Dillaway's house, which I... Later moved into, <laughs> but you yeah. weren't there at the time. <laughs> I was. I didn't go to that show. I didn't know about that show at the time. Uh, I just saw him at C Pop, and there's actually a a gross CDR issue of those shows in Michigan. No, one was on the radio. My bad. And once on a WHFR, there's a gross CD issue of those shows that uh, that came out, so you can hear the all three for performances from his time in Michigan. Do you have it? Uh, somewhere around here, I have not oh, seen nice. that in years. It's in it's in a it's one of those. Uh, he did all those CDRs in like plastic snapcase packaging yeah. for a mm -hmm. while, and those are my thin CDs with no spine or filed separately. So, uh, and uh, sadly, uh, ours we tried playing some the other day, and CDRs don't hold up as much as tapes do. And I say that they wouldn't play in our it wouldn't play in our CD players. So. CDRs can be tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll have to try it in. Something a CD on. player that's not a DVD player, maybe. Oh, maybe that's maybe that's the problem. I don't know. They're hard um, to come by. But that's so cool. Yeah, he was sat at a table and and playing a laptop through some processing effects. I bet it sounded amazing though. It's great. That's oh, so cool. It's great. How long was? Do you remember? I mean, probably just regular. Twenty minutes. I oh, really? Say. See, I yeah. would have loved it to be like. Well, how many people were at the show? The first fifty people got a free Ob CDR. Yeah. Uh, given out with the admission, I think it was ten dollars, and the first fifty people got a free. CDR, which is like insane and yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe there were 50 people, maybe 80 people. Um, I don't remember. This is, this is 18 years ago. <laughs> oh, dude, believe <laughs> yeah. me. Um, I barely remember 18 minutes ago. Right. We were talking about Spindrift. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. What a great tape. <laughs> yeah. What a great it's tape. so good. We should listen to it. It's so good. I, I heard it's great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was always really, you know, I, I feel really lucky that in the late 90s and early 2000s, I got to see both MSBR and Owl Blake. That's, oh, it's amazing. That's 
really killer. And it, both of those are thanks to Davin Brainerd, uh, you know, Princess Dragon Mom, who also had a release on Gross and yeah, uh, so brought cool. brought Akafumi over to play those shows. And I, I just think that's that's so cool to me, the like sort of networking that was going on where it's like some people in Detroit are obsessed with this Japanese musician and they foster such a friendship that they have them come over and hang out for some time and play some shows. And, you know, we've all done similar things. You know, if we're if you're playing noise, you probably have friends from all over the country at this point and and other countries and you try to put them on shows or if they want to come visit. Like, it's just cool. This is like not the beginning of it, but it's nice to see it as far back in with someone as kind of legendary to me as, as Akafumi. And kind of for you, it was, you know, in the first years of your of your journey. Oh, yeah. I mean, get like getting into noise in the late 90s and getting to see Elb in 2001 is a, it's a pretty big gift. I, mean, <laughs> like, I, re- I remember when those shows and the MSPR shows, you know, we were in Kentucky at the time, you know, but I just but remember we, we like, would oh, drive up to Michigan yeah, to but, see a show. But like, yeah, yeah, you know, the, for whatever reason, those, you know, we, we didn't, didn't and, you know, again, sadly never got to see either of the, those uh, two legends, but it's so cool that you got to. But it's so interesting too, because like some shows you think like, oh, I bet that was huge, and then there were five people there, but then other shows you think they're going to be teeny tiny, and they were packed. So it's just, it's always so interesting um, the way it plays out because all of these people in our minds are just, like, larger than life, huge. Like, I would think it would be... 10,000 people. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just, like, a huge sold-out venue, but that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah, if you want to relive my experience, you can close your eyes and listen to the Live in Michigan CDR on Gross. All right, let's do it. Perfect. I asked Devin Brainerd to send some writing or uh, some audio about his time with Akafumi, and this is what he had to say. So Gray asked me to talk about Ob for a little while, and I still don't even really know how to say the name. My name's Davin. I'm from Detroit, and uh, I knew Gray from a long time ago when I worked at the record store all through the 90s. And um, there was this band, it was spelled A-U-B-E, and nobody knew how to say it. It was Ob, it was Aub, it was Obey. Nobody knew, I still don't know. And then I got to know Akihumi, which I think is how you say it, or Akifumi, people used to say, but it was very cool. Love his design, his music, his sound, his aesthetic was all great. Um, I met him in Holland in 1998. He was doing a show with Zbigniew Karkowski in Amsterdam, and Princess Dragon Mom, my band, was playing with Destroy All Monsters in Rotterdam at a Iggy and the Stooges Detroit uh, show called I Rip You, You Rip Me. It was partly at the Boyman's Museum and partly uh, at Nighttown, a club. And we met Ronald Corneliuson. He's one of my best buddies now. Um, uh, he's He joined the band when he picked us up from the airport because we needed someone to be in the robot suit. And so then um, I met Akifumi or Akihumi or whatever, and uh, it was great. We hung out, and I got to see him play. He came to our show. Then a few years later, he came. He was going to do a show in Montreal, and he had a stop in... Um, or his flight landed in um, near Detroit in Canada, or no, at Metro Airport. So he landed in Detroit, and we scooped him up from the airport. He stayed at the Time Stereo House in Livonia for a week, 
and uh, did a couple of shows. There was a show at C-Pop. There was a show at Aaron Dillaway's house. And then um, me and Warren DeFever and Warren's brother, Matthew, took him to a shooting range, and he got to shoot real guns, and he was so happy. He said his whole life, all he wanted to do was shoot guns. He loved guns when he was a kid. And anyways, I've got like this many CDs of his, you know, maybe a hundred, probably not. Um, but uh, I love it. He's great. I miss him. And uh, great. Thanks for doing this. Bye. So you've heard me mention Davin sometimes on the show. It's nice to get some words from him and hopefully we'll have him on the show soon. One of the other people we reached out to is Pat O'Neill of Skin Crime and Self Abuse. Who worked a lot with Obe. Oh, yeah. And in fact, put out the, that quad rotation box set, of course, and other things, but that we are uh, going to sit down and listen to in just a few minutes here. <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and, and also the Wired Trap CD. A great one. One of the classic Obe CDs, as well as, you know, just, just comp stuff and other stuff. Uh, Obe has, oh, one of Obe's side projects is on the Music Should Hurt compilation that we discussed earlier this year with Pat. Um, but here's some of the things Pat had to say uh, about Obe and about working with Obe. One of the things that stood out for me about Obe is that coming out of a visual arts background, the whole aesthetic and style of the gross releases, even his very first releases as, as Obe were from live performances as part of a gallery showing, not as part of a musical performance. Gross was an important label for me, and one of those labels where I just had to get everything. At one point, I had a complete collection of gross releases. And then discussing the Wired Trap CD that he put out. Using steel wire for Wired Trap was his idea. And I think he had already been working on the material at the time that I asked him about doing a CD. I think I still have a piece of the wire he sent me in the storage somewhere. How cool is that? (laughs) (laughs) I remember being blown away when receiving the master, because while his previous releases had noisy elements to him, this was so much harsher than anything he had done before. Even today, I consider that CD one of his strongest and certainly his noisiest releases. I don't know if it was just the timing or what, but I feel I lucked out by getting masters like Wired Trap or Green Wheels at the time. And I think we said that when we discussed Green Wheels, (laughs) how lucky must have Pat for when he got that master like and Wired Trap too. He was very visually oriented coming out of the graphic design background. For all the releases I worked I worked on on with him, he would send hand-drawn mock-ups of the artwork with his ideas for them long before he would actually put the art together. So like he had already prepared, you know, and like Ugh. sent mock-ups and ideas and sent them to Pat and they kind of, you know, ah, oh, that's so cool. And this I think is an incredible sen- sentiment from Pat. I feel that it's really hard, if not impossible, for anybody to understand just how important people like Akafumi or Koji were, unless they were a part of things at the time. And, I mean, that just gives me the chills, you know. Akafumi, Koji Tano, the important, their legacy lives on to this day, will live on forever. And we've mentioned, and it's, and it's mean, one of those things that it's, it is the, these are people who set the building blocks of what I kind of think the uh, noise community in, in the two thousands has, has been and become, they were part of the people that helped set this all in motion by their, their, their enthusiasm and their dedication and their, 
their like just willingness to support people and to stay in contact with people and to trade and to try new things. And it's, it's so refreshing to kind of think about a time when this was just, this was all sort of new, the, the, you know, noise scene as we know it coming out of the, the nineties. And, uh, Gosh, it's just it's just awesome. You know, I posted about gross tapes uh, on Twitter the other day and talking about how inspirational they are looking and everything. And uh, it's funny that Pat mentioned Koji there as well. Uh, Lasse Marhog said that uh, Koji Tano had uh, the four shrines compilation on gross mounted to the wall in his bathroom. That's so amazing. And I just like thinking about them taking inspiration from each other, too. And and like, you know. I mean, they were two of the, uh, yeah, you know, hey, I'm throwing Pat in that, in that list. Agreed, too. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I know we all agree. You and know GX. I mean? And GX yeah, and, and Eldon. Yeah. And Eldon. <laughs> because it's, is, it's yeah, so easy to people. be selfish and focus on your own projects and your own label. But the fact that they like wanted to reach out and support other people and bring them to other countries, like, and you know that everybody wasn't, um, let's say like making tons of money off of this at this time. Um, but, you know, they did it out of passion for the community and the projects. And um, it's just something that we respect so much. Yeah. And, 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 and he is right. Wired Trap is one of Ob's noisiest releases, as is Purification to Numbness, the pure CD. It is, oh, yeah. Those are some like, because it's when he's using, he's using the voltage control oscillator. And it, it those are like, searing or, or I'm sorry on the purification and numbness he's using the voltage control oscillator on the wire trap he's using the steel wire but they are both like sharp releases <laughs> but that, but that's the thing is I mean Obes the range of sounds that he worked with throughout his entire um, work is is pretty remarkable um, from the harsh from the more piercing kind of sharp stuff to something like spindrift where it's like it, you're, it's kind of a womb of noise that you're just kind of you're you know yeah you're flo- you're free falling free floating in in this noise jelly in this oh. in this and and again in these white water rapids I'm like wombs are watery <laughs> yeah 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 there you go it's a lot of water in the womb <laughs> and I also love too how he used a lot of like heartbeat blood and he, and he said it's because he had he had doctor friends who provided him with the the sounds that's cool, so cool. <laughs> and what did his doctor friends think they were like yeah sure i'll get you some heartbeats i got it <laughs> how awesome is that you want an ekg go <laughs> oh it's so cool yeah oh just uh a legend and left a huge body of work for all of us to enjoy so i'm unfortunately didn't know him uh none of us none of us were in contact with or close to him, but uh, I'm sure as we've read from these few excerpts, uh, any other friends and uh, colleagues of his are saddened at his loss as we are as, as strangers and only fans. Oh, absolutely. And, and this, this release, the, the, this episode is coming out on the anniversary of his passing. And what I really want to encourage everyone to do is immediately after you listen to this episode, especially if it's on the day of its release, but doesn't matter what day you're listening to this. If it's five years from the day it's released, please do this as well. I want everyone to pull out an OBE release and I want every single person to listen to OBE and just, just let's just send out OBE into the world right now and just everyone go stop this, go put on an OBE release and just get lost anyone's anyone will do spin drift 
put that on luminous, put that on. Hey, put on a later one from the 2000s. And whatever you have, go put on an Oberlies immediately after listening to this Send episode. Send Ob into the new sphere. Absolutely. And I think I'd like to, I think it'd be really cool to end this episode with a great quote from, uh, there, was an, there was an article in The Wire about Ob from 1998. Uh, the author's name was Brian. Oh, here we go. Here we go with my horrible pronunciation. Oh, wow. Brian DeGeed. All right. Sorry, we, we certainly put your Brian. name, but this is from an issue of The Wire. And I think he kind of had a really cool way uh, to describe Akafumi. So I thought this would be a really cool way to end the episode. So put on Obe, listen to Obe, worship Obe, worship gross tapes. Tara. I can't decide whether Akafumi is best described as a musician, a designer, or a sculptor. Here's another possibility. He's the musical equivalent of a temple gardener, patiently working his way through the plain gray gravel, flattening it out, creating grooves here, listening intently to the gardening stream, and imagining therein a whole new world of sound. You've been listening to Noise Extra. I'm Tara Connolly, here with Mike Connolly and Gray Holger. Noise Extra is brought to you by Gondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. Thank you. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noise extra.com, one E in all of those, and on Twitter at noise extra with three A's. Thank you for listening to us and to noise. <laughs>